you this morning. And I hope that you were just worshiping in your house right now because the couch here was going crazy. They were worshiping, singing, clapping. I wish you could have seen it. It got me pumped up to know that God is here with us. And even though we are scattered across Marin, we are gathered as a church. And so I am so glad that you are here. If you don't know who I am, I'm Shelly Zulsdorf, and I am the middle school director. So I get the joy of hanging out with our sixth through eighth graders. And I think it is one of the best jobs in the world. I love them so much. And I'm excited this morning to go through First Peter. And I am a little bit on the lines with Katie and Danny, where I'm like, oh, First Peter is a little bit challenging. And this, the verses that we're studying today, I'm like, thanks, Jeff. Like, that's really great um, because it's so meaty. We're gonna be looking today at First Peter 1, 3 through 12. And if you read it this week and reflected and sat in on it, it's a lot. It's a lot in 10 verses that Peter's trying to squeeze through. And what I did as my study time, Katie had mentioned that she listens to it, she reads it, has all these pieces. I tend to read lots of different translations. I read sometimes the New Living Translation, the ESV, the NIV, the Message. I'll read as many translations because I'm like, I need to hear it from all different ways because it's hard. It's not easy. So if you were reading and reflecting this week and you're like, ooh, me too. I'm right there. I mean, Jeff had the time last week of doing uh, two verses in grace and peace and abundance. And it was so good. It was so good. And he gave background on First Peter. And if you haven't listened to it, I want to encourage you to go back so you are ready and prepared for the rest of the summer and what this letter is going to be saying to us. But I want to encourage you here, as I was reading this, here's how I sort of understood this, these 10 verses, is it's kind of like a syllabus. It's kind of like the course objectives. When you show up on that first day of school and you're so excited for class and you can't believe you're back and you're maybe tan, you got fresh new haircut. It's gonna be like when we come back from quarantine, everybody's gonna be looking good, I think, maybe. Um, but this is what it is, you get excited, you go into the classroom and then all of a sudden the teacher gives you the syllabus, gives you your textbooks, and you begin to feel a little overwhelmed. You look at all the assignments, the goals and objectives of the class and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I, I'm gonna understand all this, if I can make it to the end of the semester with that final project. And this is kind of what First Peter's doing here. He is giving you an introduction to what he's gonna be covering the rest of the letter. And so when, if we're gonna read the whole passage this morning because I think it's so important for us, but what we're gonna see is we're gonna see he's covering uh, pieces in it of holiness and suffering and salvation, and he's covering it all at once, but then we're gonna go into more depth throughout the summer of what this means in our lives today and details of what suffering and holiness and salvation looks like for us. So you're gonna feel a little bit like when we read this passage, if you haven't already, like, woo, that's a lot, that's okay. It's gonna feel that way, but we're gonna have a focus today and a focus I think is gonna anchor us for the rest of the summer. So listen now to the word of the Lord as we read 1 Peter 1, three through 12. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. 
This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstance to which the spirit of Christ is in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, and even angels long to look into these things. So like I said, there's so much in that passage. And here's, here's what's happening is Peter is encouraging a church that has gone through all kinds of trials. And I believe they're a church that is tired and exhausted. They're tired and exhausted of being stressed out. They're tired of exha and exhausted of not knowing what is next. And so he is writing this encouragement and he's starting off really strong because he wants them to hear. I'm going to talk about, he's going to talk about it in his letter throughout the rest of summer when we read it, that there's more to it, but I, he needs us to hear this. And this is the anchor that I believe he wants us to hear before he jumps into all the details. And from the beginning in verse three and four, he reminds them that they have the living hope of Jesus with them. And that is a promise for each of us right here, right now, is we have been given the living hope of Jesus. And I love how this passage says living hope and not lived hope. And those things stand out to me because Peter is showing us the urgency of the message of Christ, that it's for here and now. He believed that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, he is fully alive which means he has not abandoned us, but he is with us right now. And it's part of our great mystery of our faith is those that do not believe, they do not believe and they tend to say, man, Jesus, yeah, he lived, he lived a good life. But as Christians, we believe that he is alive now and he is living among us and he is living with us. And that is our mystery that we live into because he did not live lived a good life, but it's here and now. And I think that's why Peter is praising God in this moment because he knows Jesus hasn't abandoned us. You're going through all kinds of trials. You're facing all kinds of changes, but he has not abandoned us. And when I think of someone that's presently living with us, it means that they see your current reality. They see everything that's going on because something, when you have a relationship that's in the past, they only see the past. They haven't seen how you've changed and grown and what's different about you today. 
And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how messy it is to live with people. I've had in the last 10 years, so many different roommates from leaving my parents to then going off to college and every year for some reason I wanted to live with different roommates just to mix it up and make it fun. Um, and so I live with different people and then now, I, oh, and then I lived with a host family when I was an intern at a church and then now I live with Ben as my husband. Yep, he's back there playing drums. Um, <laughs> And as I was thinking about this, I thought of um, recently when I met up with one of my old roommates and we haven't lived together in five years. We haven't lived life together. We haven't lived in the same house together. And when she saw me, the first thing, one of the first things she said to me was, remember how messy your room used to be? Remember how you could like barely pick up the clothes on your floor? And I was like, caught off guard. Well, yeah, but you haven't lived with me in five years. And so who I was is only marked by the past. It's only marked by this stagnant view of who I am. Instead of someone that lives with you and is living with you, like Ben, yes, he can say I'm messy. Yes, he can say I have these organized piles, but he would probably say over five years, you've changed. You've grown. There's been something different because him living with me, being in my present life with me, he's able to see how I've changed over the years. He's able to see who I am today. And so that's the beauty of living hope is that Jesus's life and ministry is still active in our lives today. And what he said is still true for us. And he meets us right where we're at. And when Peter says you have this living hope, he's not saying, remember when Jesus healed people? Huh, that was cool. Remember when Jesus met people where they're at and remember when people were suffering and he came alongside them and brought them hope? He's not saying that. He's saying, he's reminding them by saying living hope to know what Jesus has done, to know what he's done because he's doing it today. He's doing it in your circumstances and he's right there with you. And so Jesus is taking imperfect people and he's still transforming our hearts. We're not done yet. We are still on this earth. And so we can praise Jesus as our living hope because he is present with us. He is living among us. But when I read this passage and I read three and four, I couldn't shy away from the contrast of spoiling and fading and perishing. That we have this living hope, which means we have this inheritance of being in a relationship with God, an intimate one that starts here and now. But the living hope, here's the thing, the living hope doesn't perish, spoil, or fade, but other things will. And I think we need to sit in that reality as other things will. See, it's impossible for Jesus' hope to perish, spoil, or fade. And for thousands of years, people have tried. They've tried to oppress and persecute it out of people. They've tried to strip down and shame them of their hope, but it is still here. It is still active. And Jesus' hope is still living among us because it fails to take it away from us because Jesus has already conquered death. And so as imperfect people though, it is easy for us to put our hope in other things. It is easy for us to forget that our living hope is in Jesus only. And I think we tend to put our hope in other things and that spoil, fade, and perish. And one of the biggest things that I think we do is we put our, our hope and make it a false hope is our internal world. And I'm saying this not as 
I'm not processing through that. I'm right there with you. Our internal world, world is the place that we feel like we can control the most. It's our worries, our fears, our views, traditions, the way things have always been done, our old patterns of life, the secret sins that we want to hide and hold on to because it makes us feel comfortable and safe and we have control over that. But I want to put this out there. What if we're wrong? What if our worries are wrong? What if our traditions, views, opinions are wrong? What if the ways that we are living are wrong? Just like we have to face our sin, and we talk about that, we have to face our sin and decide if it too is wrong. We have to sit in if some of those things that we hold onto and want to control internally in our lives is wrong. Because when I hear that the living hope in our inheritance doesn't spoil, fade, or perish. It means that everything else in comparison has a possibility to change or to die. It has a possibility to change or die. Everything else. If we are putting our hope in Jesus that is living among us, then we are submitting to him. And by submitting to him, our lives are going to be changing. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think spoiling, fading, and perishing, sometimes when you read that, you're like, oh, yeah, it's not a bad thing because creation shows us it's supposed to happen. In order for things to keep on living, things must die. And I think Peter, when he wrote this, he knew this fully. He fully understood this. And last week, Jeff talked about how he denied Jesus three times, but he didn't think he could do that. He was like, I would never deny you, Jesus. But yet he did, and he realized that was in him. And also, Peter had to change. We look at Acts 10, and Peter completely changed when God gave him the vision that the good news were for Gentiles, which means it was not just for Jewish people, but it was for everyone. And here's what I find interesting about that. That is not new. That is not new at all. Jesus lived that out. Jesus invited everyone to his table. He healed anyone and everyone. He was constantly asked, why are you sitting and eating with sinners? He lived that out. So it's interesting to me that Peter didn't get that until Acts 10, until sometime later after Jesus rose again, visited them, went up to heaven, gave them the Holy Spirit. He didn't get it yet, but yet, we have a gracious and loving, kind God who knows that we're imperfect, who knows that we're in process, who knows that we're wrong on a lot of things and we don't have perfect knowledge on it all and we're figuring it out. And so in his grace, he gives Peter this, this vision that the good news is for the Gentiles and it rubs against his old traditions as a Jewish person they're not used to and the laws are against being with and interacting with Gentiles. And now that the good news is for them, that tradition has to perish and die. That tradition has to go away because it is not what Jesus's message is about. It's not what the living hope had to give us. And see, Jesus's truth in living hope is what never changes, but it's us. It's who we are. In fact, and he's given us in scripture, he's given us his mission, his hope, his message already. But as imperfect people, we don't get it right away. And we, have, we struggle through it and we wrestle through it. And I think that's the beauty of our faith is we are each day looking and asking God, oh, what next? Where do I grow next? 
And as I was thinking about this, I'm totally guilty of putting my false hope in my internal world and putting it other than the living hope of Jesus at times. And if uh, you ever talk to Tyler Carlson, our intern, youth ministry intern of the last two years, and asked him, what was it like working with Shelly? I would hope he'd say some good things, you know? I think it was a good two years. But I think one of the things that he will mention as a marker of my leadership is I am a worst case scenario planner. So what that means is in hard situations, I tend to create a plan of A to Z of everything that could go wrong and how I would fix it and how I would solve it. And this is my own, I take my worries and my fears and it's the way that I control them. It's the way that I control them. And as we hit shelter in place and COVID-19, this came at an all time high. All of a sudden we went into chaos. We didn't know what to do, what was next. And so it started coming at, at an all time high for me. And last week, I was at my wit's end. I realized this is giving me zero hope. This isn't giving me anything that I need. And I broke down crying saying, I can't do this anymore. This isn't right. This isn't the living hope. I'm not living into that. And I was on the phone with Christine Gilmore, who's in our church, and I was crying. She asked me another question. I just started crying about this and poured out my heart to her. And she asked me a question that was so good for me to hear. She said, have you taken those things that you're worried about and given them up to God? And in that moment, I heard Matthew 6, 34, where Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, church, I've heard those words a thousand times. I'm like Peter, where I've been walking with Jesus. I've been figuring it out with Jesus. I've been trying to experience and live out all that he said, but I'm still missing it. I'm still leaning onto my own views of how to feel safe and control. And in that moment, I had to sit there and go, I am wrong. I am wrong my fears, the way that I'm controlling it is wrong. It's not working and that's okay. And so then I started praying. When I was reading this passage, I was like, Jesus, this needs to spoil, fade and perish. I need you to spoil, fade and perish this because I need you. I need you to come in. You are my living hope and anything in comparison can go because you are the one that are gonna, is gonna walk beside me. And I love how Peter, he says our inheritance, our relationship with God doesn't spoil, fade or perish, but he leaves it really open to make it more personal for you of what is it in your life today that needs to perish, spoil and fade that you need to let go. If you wanna live a little bit more into the living hope, what do you need to let go? And so I think when we approach scripture, when we approach first Peter, I think it's gonna be important for us to ask, how am I missing it, Jesus? And that's totally not the fun thing to say. We love to be like, oh, God loves me. It's so good. But how am I missing it? What are you asking me to let spoil, fade, and perish in my life? Because if we're going to attach ourselves to the living hope, then we need to be okay that everything else can fade away, that everything else in comparison to that can perish. But really the only way that we can do this is if we know and believe that our future living hope starts now. It's in your life right now. And it's been a long three months of shelter in place and maybe another month or however long, we don't fully know. 
And I don't think I'm the only one that has been seeing my weakness come out at full force because that's what struggle does is everything comes out onto the table. And while we live in suffering, while we live in changes and we are letting those things go, we have the freedom to have hope that our future of heaven can be experienced here and now. And like I said, I've been reading in different translations. And one of the translations that I, I loved when reading verse three and four is with Peter speaking encouragement to fellow believers that I believe were tired and exhausted. The message translation says, what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and having everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. I love that. We have a brand new life, and that starts here and now. That means the changes that you had, who you were yesterday, this morning, it's here and now. That is our living hope. And it reminds me of the prayer that Jesus taught us in the Our Father, where it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Say that with me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus, that's such a great prayer because it reminds us he's alive today. He is with us today and he's working through his kingdom here on earth to redeem all things. And that means we get glimpses of heaven here and now. Among all the struggle, among all the pain, among all the changes, we get glimpses of heaven now. And I think when we confess our sins, when we confess the ways that we've missed it, we're giving up the areas that are holding us back from experiencing the living hope. And then we begin to understand the freedom that Jesus came to give us. When we do that, when we confess, we get to experience here and now our heavenly future. And I love that. And so when we worship, that's part of what we're doing is we are holding up that we are here in this reality of pain, struggle, suffering, but God is working and he is redeeming all things. And we get to participate in that freedom. So like Peter, we can praise God because he is our living hope right here, right now. And he's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with me. He has more to come as he's bringing his kingdom into our world each and every moment of our lives. So we're gonna enter into worship right now. And I just want you to sit with that, reflect on where you've been, on what has changed, and maybe ask God, what is it in this season that you wanna tell me? I might be wrong, but that's okay because in comparison to your living hope, I wanna attach myself to that. And so let us worship now with confidence that the living hope is transforming our life today.